1: Welcome to the Pond Hunter broadcast from the Under the Sea Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Take a look into the world of koi ponds, water gardens, and the lifestyles of the aquatically obsessed. Meet the pros, hobbyists, and cover some no-nonsense pond advice straight from the field. The Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, here's your host, koi pond and water garden expert, Mike Gannon. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast, episode 45. I'm your host, Mike Gannon, and I'm very psyched for this episode. I have a guest who is something of a legend in the pond world here in the States. Him and his wife, Anita, are owners of Nelson Water Garden uh, out in the Lone Star State. And um, Rolf Nelson is going to be coming on and joining me. Hey, Rolf, are you on the line?
2: I'm here, Mike. Good to be with you.
0: Great. So glad to have you here with me. I really appreciate it. And um, how are things out there in, in Katy, Texas?
2: Uh, a little gloomy at the moment. Lots of rain, kind of chilly. We're we're waiting for spring when we can really start to enjoy our water gardens again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. We pretty much have the same kind of weather here, gloomy. Thankfully, not, not too awfully cold. I'm out in New Jersey, and we usually get a pretty brutal this time of year. But um, I'm looking for that warmer weather, too. And speaking of that, I, I met you actually in a very warm place. I met you and your wife, Anita, recently at the International Water Garden Society Symposium down in Merida, yeah. Mexico.
2: You yeah, guys are actually the a... very
0: first people who I met. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you guys also happen to be founding members of the, the IWGS. Is that correct?
2: We are. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a group that started back in 1984 with the organizational meeting. And the uh the first symposium that was put together was in eighty five and uh we went to uh Hunting Creek Fisheries and then over to Longwood Gardens.
0: Ah. Yeah, so it's it's been around for, for a while. And that was that was a great event. The Yucatan is a very interesting place and I'd actually like to talk more about the IWGS in in just a little bit so we can give kind of the listening listeners a better idea of what exactly that is, um, okay. but your your experiences in the water gardening profession um, have spanned many decades um, and has taken you places all around the world. But what actually got you into water gardening?
2: Um, I was always attracted to water. I loved to fish from the time I was really really young. I I remember. An earliest memory, or one of these family stories that just imprints in your mind when you're young. You know, my dad and grandfather tied me to a pier in uh, Montauk <laughs> to go fishing when I was like three years old, <laughs> and right. it stuck. So I was always fascinated around water, and um, I, I went to the University of Maryland, uh, got a degree in, in horticulture, with um, botany in the background, and it just so happened that I was approached by. Uh, one of my uh, good professors and said he had been contacted by a company looking for a plant production manager. And it Mm -hmm. happened to be uh, Charles Thomas of uh, Willie Ponds Water Gardens was looking for someone.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: University of Maryland was his alma mater. So that's where he had turned to to try to find somebody who he could, you know, expand um, production, you know, and that was back in the days when a lot of plant material went out for aquatics through mail order, And um, he was located up near Frederick, Maryland, um, in the little town that actually was named Lily Ponds for a long period of time, and uh, fairly short growing season, you know, to have the quantity of plant materials that he was hoping the business would develop to. So uh, the professor approached me, um, I was interested, went and interviewed, and um, that started my yeah, you know, real passion, I guess, with water gardening. That was nineteen
0: seventy-seven. Nineteen seventy-seven. Wow. Okay. And Lily Ponds is that's that's an older company, I believe that that has been a family-owned business since about nineteen seventeen, somewhere around you there. You have it exactly
2: they, right. Yeah, nineteen seventy. Very good. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, that that's amazing. So the it's it's very interesting because the industry has changed so ma- so much, and like you just mentioned, back then it was mail order. I mean, some, some of today's pond keepers may not even understand what, what exactly that is. So can you kind of tell the process of, let's say somebody did want an aquatic plant, a, a water lily, and they ordered from you guys, how would they get it?
2: Yeah, um, just about everything was produced in, in earthen ponds at that point in time. It was real a field culture type of a thing. And uh, they were catalogs that were out there the catalogs i think in the u.s anyway went back into the late 1800s with aquatics and um so someone would would order a variety of uh of water lily and uh you would go out into the with hip boots on wade out into this earth bottom pond and pull the plant you know manually up out of the uh the ground yeah uh, prune it you know get the soil off it prune it up a little bit, and then they were packaged in uh, wet newspaper with uh, just a plastic liner around it and then, you know, put in a corrugated box and then shipped out in, you know, the most efficient manner that they could. Uh, Early on, that would have been, you know, through the Postal Service, and then, you know, as UPS services came on, you know, with uh, faster deliveries and so forth, the the vast majority of plants for, you know, many years went uh, UPS. But fish yeah. were also shipped the same way. You know, they were uh, most early water gardeners got their got the fish for their ponds through uh, through mail order. Yeah, so it, I I love it was, that. Like that that to me yeah. is
0: it, it's amazing. And and the um, the mail order industry was so huge, and it was it was actually a, a tremendous way for our water garden industry to grow. It was very busy there. There, I mean, you were at Lily Ponds. There were some other, I think, large distributors in the country there as well. There were a handful I mean, of others.
2: Yeah. We, we had Slocum Water Gardens out of Florida. Um, yeah. Trickers in New Jersey, your home state. And, yeah. Uh, which is now uh, Waterford, you know, after it's sold. Right. And um, then Trickers was also in Ohio, uh, Independence, Ohio, near Cleveland. And on the yeah. West Coast, you had Van Ness. And on Long Island, you had uh, Shearer and Sons. Yeah. And amazing in the Midwest, uh, I just remembered there was uh um, Bee fork water Gardens okay which is not yeah known by all that many folks, but uh, they did mail order in the uh, outside of St Louis
0: okay, yep, interesting. and so how long were you with lily ponds you you went there in seventy seven after you you got out of school. Um, yeah, how long we well, watch-
2: really a, fun. a little bit of a story to that. I got, I got really fortunate. Um, we Charles was really trying to expand the business, and he was really starting to advertise it a lot more and and grow it beyond the fisheries. It it its old former name was Three Springs Fisheries. They did predominantly goldfish sales, and uh, he saw had a vision that the aquatic plants were going to be the dominant part of the business, and we looked for properties and. Um, Everything we pointed toward Houston, Texas, back then, late 70s. Every Wall Street Journal business magazines that you picked up, Houston was the go-to place. It was growing rapidly, and it was far enough south. So um, we found property. And longer
0: growing season.
2: Much longer growing season. Found property oh. west of Houston, a small town, by the name of Brookshire, and um, he needed somebody to go down and build ponds and. Stock them with plants and and start a business. And at 22, I had a fabulous opportunity. Left uh, the East Coast on uh, January 1st,
1: 1978,
2: and oh, okay. headed south. Wow! And so with them for 19 years, and then had the opportunity to uh, move on and 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 us, my <clears throat> wife. And I you know started Nelson water gardens and we celebrate our 20th anniversary this year.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Uh, well, thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You made it past yeah. the three year mark. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> thank you. As have you. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's great. That's great. So now yeah. you're, you're the owner proprietor of Nelson water gardens, which, you know, in the industry, I think, you know, most people have heard of Nelson water gardens. Um, So tell me about that a little bit. It's, it's a family run operation. You already have a, if I understand correctly, a second generation um, as part of the operations down there.
2: Yes. Yeah. Very fortunate um, we do. My, uh, my son, Peter uh, has been with us and uh, he runs our design build uh, branch of the, of the business. And um, he's got a good vision he's very talented and coming up with designs and is very creative his background he has a degree in landscape architecture from lsu and Mm uh and he has a team that that helps him you know go out and uh we do predominantly residential but uh recently we've done a little bit more commercial and some uh churches and some uh restaurants and so forth with water features Right. So that's very satisfying and then I have um a daughter who is working with us right now um helping with the merchandising. We do have a gift shop and she helps buy for the gift shop along with Anita and uh helps me with some of the background endless paperwork that <laughs> hits you when you run a business. Yeah. And uh yeah. two other daughters um you know one who lives in Baton Rouge another who just went into uh Texas A&M. She's a freshman. There, but all the kids grew up in the business. You know, they all got uh, experience. You know, working with people, uh, both our customers and colleagues, and um, you know, learned it. <laughs> yeah. Early on. Yes. Sure.
0: Literally in their blood.
2: For them. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That really is. So um, Nelson Water Gardens is is a full service destination water garden center. You guys have aquatic plants, lily lotus marginals. Um, uh, You have koi and goldfish. Do you carry other like critters and, you know, tadpoles and crayfish? Do you guys uh, kind of stock up?
2: We we do the tadpoles. Um, We do a little native fish for folks that aren't interested in having the, you know, the larger goldfish in there and still need something for, you know, a little bit of insect control called a a rainbow dace. Um, That works out very well. And, uh, we, we actually still grow our own aquatic crop. We, we off-site, our nursery is on the west side of Houston in a high-growth community uh, called Katy, and uh, that's the retail site. And Peter also runs the design build out of that location. And then in our okay. rural home site, we actually grow the aquatic plants so that we have control over the quality of the of the materials that we have of you know, available to put out for sale.
0: Right. So. Okay. I know you guys do seminars and workshops. Um, even your website, very informative website, lots of photos, blog content, video content. I mean, a really well done website. If people want to go and check that out, that's just NelsonWatergardens.com. So, when you look at your business today, and you go back to when you when you're first coming down to Houston you know, your original vision for it, do those kind of line up or have things really just (laughs) changed quite a bit?
2: (laughs) It's changed a lot. Um, you know, coming down here originally, you know, basically I was an aquatic farmer. Um, you know, we, we were set up to grow large, large numbers of plants. And, uh, and at, at that time, everyone pretty much grew everything in, in earth and ponds. Um, now, the, we'd, we'd have a few tropical water lilies that would come in from a source out on the West Coast. There was a gentleman out there, uh, Jack Wood, who who grew tropical lilies and, and a few hardies out in the Thermal, uh, California, one of the hottest places in the country, off of the Salton Sea. But he was a supplier of, of tropicals and a lot of those tropicals would get put into buckets back then. They really weren't. Nobody was making a pot for the aquatic industry. So you, you bought pails, like you would, you know, use for a mop, right? <laughs> or you, used, you know, or you use dish pans um, and and, yep. and so forth. And uh, but other than that, just about everything was grown, you know, in on either pond banks, you know, for the shallow water plants, or out in earthen ponds. And it's changed now. There's very little production that's done in, in open earth-bottom ponds. Almost everything is done in containers at all the different growers, or, you know, around the country. And it's it's actually okay. easier. It's like back then, you know, why didn't we think of it? <laughs>
0: yeah. At that <laughs> time.
2: But right. You, you did what er, it actually was an outgrowth, probably, of you know, doing the fisheries, because uh, you need big earthen ponds to grow large numbers of goldfish and koi. So you just made them shallower and grew your plants in, in the shallower ponds. Right. So there's a lot of greenhouse production now, and there was virtually there was very little. You know, I think Trickers probably had some had some greenhouses, but most of the businesses didn't. You know, utilize greenhouse space way back in the 70s and so forth. So things right. have changed in, in in that regard, and and I think all for the better. I think the quality of Materials available to the consumer um, across the board is is more consistent and better at least from you know the good suppliers
0: right yep yeah it's 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 pretty interesting to hear you you know talk about how just really how things have changed, how mail order although it has not gone away um, is certainly not the um, major way to obtain materials and livestock and stuff like that. Um, so that's yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Now, yeah, there's
2: just so many more people that that are growing, you know, material, you know, all around the country, and you have local suppliers, which you know just didn't exist back then.
0: Yeah, and you've been able to adapt. I mean, you're you're operating full strength in in today's times, where you you pretty much you have to have the website, you have to have you know, these social outreach on, on the Internet and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely a testament to your brand that, that you've been able to change with the times and stay relevant, which is really great. Um, and at the same well, that's time... that's another reason
2: you that know, you need young people in your business.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they understand that a whole lot better than I do. So you, you have to kind of give them some free reign to help you know, keep us current, you know, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you feel that we've, uh, we're achieving that. Thank you.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. No, th- thanks for doing it. I mean, we, we need it in the industry. We do need more young people, for sure, in the industry. Um, you know, hopefully, we're going to see some people, you know, a lot of people coming into it to keep this, this going. It, it's a pretty, I feel like we're very lucky doing what we're doing, um, you know, to be able to make a living and Support our families and everything, and do community outreach the way we do, um, with in this field. I, I love it. I just I yeah, love you're a absolutely right.
2: You know, you know, if you have a tough day and you think, geez, why do I do this, and then you stop and think, you know, what else would you do? <laughs> what would you enjoy more? Um, right. You know, you, you, I think the folks that I know, you know, that that do what we do, you know, they're very passionate about it. They, they get a real high from from staying with it I mean you're with nature I mean how how bad can that be
0: <laughs> exactly it's funny because I feel like there's a common background with a lot of the people I speak with in this industry that as kids they were into water as kids they're hanging around around ponds and lakes and creeks I mean I know I was like that I was always catching frogs and fish and skipping rocks I mean it's it just never really left my my psyche and now I I do it for a living
2: yeah, yeah we and were always looking me, for for bait you know we wanted to go fishing so you're turning rocks and creeks for to, to get bait <laughs> yeah,
0: <So>. yeah. <laughs> um let's talk about the iwgs the international yes. water garden society real quick yep. again your founding member um you've been there kind of from the launch of it i'm sure that the iwgs has changed dramatically as well um and it, it it's interesting to me because it, it really uh it it can take you all over the world if you're a member of it. I know you've you've had symposiums in Mexico, China, England. You have symposiums in different locations around the US. Thailand, France, Thailand, yeah, I mean Canada. you know, some really cool places.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean it it's it's a fabulous way to meet people, you know, from around the world to share your passion. Um, yeah, one of the big changes for it—it it started out as the IWLs, which was the International Water Lily society so it was very much focused in the early days, you know, as a, as a plant-based society, like the Rose Society or a Daylily Society or, or whatever. And yeah. then, after a number of years had gone on, we just realized that it, it, it really needed to encompass the greater aspects of of a water garden, okay, that included a lot of plants beyond the, the water lilies. Um, everybody within the early group always had the interest in all the other groups of plants, and we decided that the name was perhaps just a little bit too narrow, which is the you right. know, water lily. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, this coming year, just as a, a little plug, the uh, meeting's going to be at Longwood Gardens, which has one of the most phenomenal collections of uh, water lilies and other aquatics, to be seen anywhere in the world I mean I've been fortunate enough to to travel to quite a few places over the years and and Longwood is just you know at the top of the list it's just killer you know as far as yeah. the overall gardens and and even beyond the water gardens if you know your listeners haven't been there it's a bucket list place to go right um, yeah so yeah I'm I can't very much looking forward to that Yep. Okay. And I've I'm been there many times. To too. And, and if you don't mind, I'll give a couple of other places in the country for people who are really into, you know, aquatics who would like to see really great displays. Uh oh, Missouri yeah. Botanic um, is definitely a, a go-to place to see, you know, great okay. public displays of waterways. And then right here in, uh, in Texas, which is one of the biggest surprises, I think, to most folks in West Texas, the town of San Angelo, is the most diverse collection of water lilies anywhere in the world. Um, Wow, I didn't Yeah, you weren't Hmm. aware? I was not, no. We did a symposium there in 2010, and we will probably go back there in 2018. Um, Cool. But uh, the city park in San Angelo has been managing that for many years. Uh, At first as a volunteer, now he's a curator for the city of the collection, Ken Landon, who in the circle of the waterly plant geeks, Ken is on a pedestal (laughs) and highly revered (laughs) with his knowledge and the number of different plants that he has. Um, the amount of work that he did, he did a, a, a collection of species material for University of Texas uh, Herbarium back in the 70s. He plays with fertilizers for plants. To, you know, he's, he's got a lot of chemistry background, mechanical engineering background. He's just you know, amazing. Um, right. It's uh, International Waterloo Collection, I think the IWC, and it, it's worth a visit on. Uh, on your computers to to see what's going on out there.
0: Wow. That's so cool. I got to check that out. That's great. So you're definitely a master water gardener. Now as people are getting into water gardening, just kind of coming into it and discovering it, there's so many things to discover, but if you were (laughs) just going to say three crucial things that a water gardener, a new water gardener should look for when they're choosing a lily. What are three things that people should should be looking for, do you think? Three crucial things.
2: For a lily? I mean, yeah. it, it, the beauty of it is um, you basically pick a color
1: <laughs>
2: that okay. you like, you know, as far as lilies are concerned. It, it, there's two broad groups of water lilies, and, and, and this is a, a point that I think people need to, to understand. There's, there's a group that's called hardy where the, the lily will go dormant but is uh, – going to come back each spring, you know, basically throughout the continental United States and even up into Canada for the vast majority of plants that would be considered a hardy water lily. Um, You also have the tropical water lily group, which is not going to necessarily overwinter much further north than Houston, Texas. Um, You know, I'm fortunate where I am, you know, most folks, their, their plants will, their tropicals will overwinter. So you have to make a decision. I mean, the, the tropicals offer a lot of things that the hardies don't. Typically, a lot more fragrance. The flowers stand much higher above the surface of the water. You get into your great blues and purples. Although, recently hybridizers are starting to be able to cross between the groups and get hardy tropicals. In essence, and, you know that we have some darker, you know, purples and getting toward the blues on plants that have more hardiness. But yeah. still, the majority of material out there in the marketplace are going to fall into the group of tropical or hardy. Um, but I know a lot of northern water gardeners who will replant a tropical water lily in their water garden every single year because of what the performance of that plant is. They, they produce so many more total flowers during the course of the growing season, and you get into other colors. Right. On the other hand, a lot of the southern gardens will at least have a hardy or two in there because different colors are available to them. So okay. there's some decision making to you know, as to what you might stock in there. And then obviously the amount of space that you have. Um you know, I kinda like a pond that has maybe, you know, sixty percent coverage, you know, with water lily leaves. So that you have okay. open water areas to get reflections and see the ripples on the water and see your fish swimming around. Um, right. You know, I've known some folks are just so into the plants that you don't even see the water. You know, you it's just a solid plants. Yeah. That, uh,
0: solid, that, mass that, you know, of lily A Classic
2: leaves. water garden, you know, I like to have some open water in there. Yeah. Now, you want a little mystery. I kind of like seeing it full. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: You want that mystery that the leaves, that the, the coverage gives you, when you, but you still want to see your fish in those open areas. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize how very big a water lily can get, too. I mean, it's a very big plant. You know,
2: there, there are, there's, a, there's a handful of miniature varieties, you know, for folks with, you know, a very small space, uh, say a, a kettle, you know, a whiskey barrel or something sized pond. There are some true miniatures, and the, the true miniatures are going to come from the hardy group Um, the only downside of those is they're open for only a few hours a day they're not open as long as a lot of your other varieties but then you can get into some of the big day blooming um, tropicals and and then the night bloomers where you can have individual leaves that are 18 to even 24 inches across
0: um, Yeah,
2: huge beautiful (laughs) leaves Um, and you know I used to grow plants in earth and ponds, and I could have a 30-foot-wide pond and have a night bloomer planted in the middle and have leaves touching the banks on either side. That's um, awesome. So, it, yeah, you, you, they're not going to grow as large as that in the containers that we're going to use in our ponds, uh, but that's the potential of some of these plants. Yeah. Uh, the other point that I might have for somebody that's you know, deciding on plants is... Um, uh, uh, if you have the space, use as large a container as you can handle so that you can actually have a plant that is as spectacular as possible for you um, as far as the size of the flowers and even will impact the number of flowers that you might get on, on a number of varieties. And then also, they're, they're heavy feeders. Um, water lilies consume a lot of nutrients. The old leaves get pushed to the outside edge of, of a water lily's growth circle. And they mm-hmm. start to deteriorate, and you pinch them off, and then there's new leaves coming on continually, and the plant uses up a lot of nutrient to uh, to perform at its best. So, they, yeah, uh, we do fertilize on a regular basis. And the further south you are, typically the more fertilizer you need, and right. um, down here we need to repot our our, our water lilies every single year into fresh soil. Um, so there's just so much root mass that's in. Uh, the container through the winter that decays, that you need to have fresh soil. As you get yeah. to some of the northern areas, you know, you might get two years. And the old English books on water gardening all say that you can go two to three years between, you know, replanting your, your water lilies. but it doesn't work in a lot of the U.S. You're just, you know, too warm, too long of a growing season to get a body yeah. of that.
0: And I think that's kind of a a chronic issue that a lot of water gardeners struggle with, maybe just because of lack of information or or seeking out the information. But I see that a lot where it's a chronic condition where people keep their lilies in very small containers. I mean, like Mm -hmm. eight-inch containers, 10-inch containers. And um, essentially try to have a successful lily and, and don't even consider repotting it. So.
2: Right, that, that and is, a lot that, don't fertilize that, either. They don't get the, you know, the, the information, and um,
1: yeah,
2: you know, we can we can do fairly well with a lily for one season in a 10-inch diameter pot as long as it's getting consistent fertilization. Um, okay, and when we move to a pot that, because there are some industry aquatic pots now, and one happens to be 10 inches across, about a, it's about seven quarts of soil in there. Then it jumps up to a 16-inch diameter container, and, and you just get spectacular plants in a 16-inch diameter container, Yeah. Um, holding 19 quarts of soil. The, the the plants are just wow. And then if you can go larger than that, you can start to push closer to botanic garden style, you know, plant. If you have a large pond, you know, build right. a bigger pot so that you can really throw some uh, some plants that are just Jaw-dropping. I mean, they just are yeah. really that spectacular.
0: That's what I'm going to be going for. I I moved um, last year, so I'm actually pondless right now. <laughs> okay, so uh, well, you got to rectify uh, that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to be building a, a new pond this uh, this year. That you know, once the season, once the weather kind of gives a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm going to try to get some big. It's going to be a big pond. I can't wait to get some big plants in there. Uh, fantastic yeah i'm so looking forward to it so yeah it's really cool so i want to thank you so much for spending some time with me and sharing your experience as a a master water gardener and thanks that you do for the industry the hobby the lifestyle the whole deal um can we remind everybody where they can find you and get in touch with you your your website your phone
2: yes it'll be nelsonwatergardens.com and our phone is 281-391-4769. And uh, we, as Mike mentioned kindly for us, we do have a lot of information just posted on, on our website. And, you know, hopefully that can be real helpful to a lot of you.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've got a great website. I highly recommend it as a resource for anybody out there, um, even if you're not in the Katy, Texas or Houston area. Tons of great information on there, videos, blogs, the whole deal. And, of course, um, there's a website for the International Water Garden Society is the IWGS.org. Um, and uh, I look forward to seeing you out there. I'm going to uh, hopefully attend again this year at the IWGS. And if I'm ever in the Texas area, I plan to come and see you, Ralph.
2: Well, great. You're always welcome.
0: Well, thank you so much. And, uh, again, thank you for joining um, the podcast. And I look forward to speaking to you in the future.
2: Okay, thanks, Mike, and have a great spring.
0: You too. Thanks so much.
2: Okay, bye-bye.
0: That was Rolf Nelson, everybody, from Nelson Water Gardens, also a founding member of the International Water Garden Society and all-around water gardening champion. That was great to have him on as a guest. And I thank all you guys for being here and listening. I'm your host, Mike Gannon. My company is Full Service Aquatics. Located in New Jersey. And we are a water garden and pond company. We design and install, service, and maintain water gardens, koi ponds, and water features of every type. The website is fullserviceaquatics.com. And you can find more Pond Hunter on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Come say hey. Give me a rating or a review, damn it. And uh, we will see you next time on the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast. Take care, everybody.
1: You have been listening to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio, the Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed.
0: Yes, yes, the Aquatically Obsessed, keeping it pondy, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next time. Be good to each other and share the water gardening lifestyle with those that you love.
1: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.